0: Hello! It's lovely to be back with you again today. There's a few things that have changed in my life since I last taught uh, a year or so ago, and one of the most exciting developments is that our little girl, Grace, has just started school. She is just, she's in the gingham blue dresses, the lovely, like, frilly little white socks, the um, black school shoes that we had to remortgage our house for to buy from Clarks, And uh, Grace is just very happy about school, mostly about break times and lunch times, it has to be said. Um, But she is really loving learning, which is great. She has a wonderful P1 teacher who seems to be of the mind that learning should be fun, which I wholeheartedly applaud. And so Grace has been coming home very excited to talk about learning her phonics and she has uh, this lovely little puppet called Dizzy the dinosaur in her classroom. Now Dizzy goes off at night on little expeditions around Edinburgh and comes back with letters and numbers that Dizzy has found and teaches them to the children but Dizzy is a bit dizzy and so she forgets and so the children are in kind of peals of laughter Um, at Dizzy and her forgetfulness and how do you form the letter K and A and G, you can picture it. If you are a primary school teacher watching this then I salute you. So Grace is having a great time, everything is new and many of you watching this are also starting new things Uh, Hello to all you students who have come back or come for the first time to Edinburgh. We're really excited to have you back in this lovely city. And uh, I hope that your studies are also going well. But it would be slightly weird if you went to your lectures expecting to be taught phonics all over again. Expecting to turn up and the professor to walk in. Today, class, we're going to learn the letter M. That would just be weird. And so whilst it's entirely acceptable for Grace to come home from school excited about her phonics, it would be just a bit odd if you were. No, we expect better things of you. We expect for the phonics that you learnt to be the basis upon which you layer up your knowledge and understanding and from where you're launching into history and social anthropology and medicine and engineering. And of course, The point I'm making is that we expect to see growth. Growth is the normative journey of the human being. We start out as knee-high to a grasshopper, little children, and by and large, we expect to finish off a few feet taller and with a lot more going on in here. And it is the same for our growth as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. We're coming today to a passage of scripture that is all about growth. We should expect to grow. We don't stay as the spiritual equivalent of my daughter learning P1 phonics. As God is at work in us and as we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit within us, we grow and we grow and we grow. And so the writer to the Hebrews in chapter six that we will look at today, Is basically trying to give this fledgling group of early Christians a good shove in the right direction come on get growing grow up in Christ and when it gets hard as it will keep going just like you have to be disciplined when you learn a new skill like riding a bike so also learning to grow up in Christ learning to mature as a follower of Jesus takes patience time and hard graft so keep going don't lose heart don't lose heart today be encouraged in the immortal words of Ben Howard keep your head up keep your heart strong so let's read together from uh, Hebrews 6 I'm reading in the NIV I'm just gonna come through the passage Um, section by section and pull out a few things for us to digest today. Hebrews 6, 1 to 3. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and god permitting we will do so i don't know about you but as spiritual phonics that list of six elementary or basic teachings shook me up a little bit it's like the writer is saying these things are in place with you guys already and i'm listening to that and i'm thinking really <laughs> are they <laughs> Could I explain to someone else the foundational truth of eternal judgment? Am I actually practicing the laying on of hands? The last time someone told me that they were sick was my response sympathy or prayer? So let's take a quick look at what the Hebrew writer describes as core foundations to the Christian faith. Number one, repentance from acts that lead to death basically anything that makes us think that we can work out our own roadmap towards God anything that makes us think we've got this in the bag by ourselves and for the Hebrews some of that would have been pagan ritual some of that would have been maybe continuing some of the um, Jewish um, ritual that was actually redundant since they got to know Jesus things that don't lead to life and Life is where Christ is, so let's line up with him, line up the way we live with who he is. And there's lots of stuff today in in our culture that would lead us off in the wrong direction, that wouldn't lead us towards life, and to repent of those things is to turn around, to come back, to get help where appropriate, and to turn in number two, faith towards God, belief and trust in the one true God. Number three, cleansing rites. Some of you will have baptisms written there, which is what we think that refers to. And number four, the laying on of hands. Both of those actions in the early church were kind of associated with coming into the Christian community, becoming a Christian. New followers of Jesus were baptized and then appropriately as people prayed they would lay their hands like this on them um, to bless them to say welcome may the blessing the fullness of who God is be with you number five the resurrection of the dead and number six eternal judgment big themes basically knowing and trusting that God will do what he said he would in Christ and so praise Jesus, death is not the last word on us. He will raise us up to be with him and he will also judge the world and usher in the age to come. There will be a day where there is no more mourning and no more crying, how, how we long for those days. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth where everything is right and well. So these are foundational phonics, spiritual phonics and before we move on to go and look at how we're encouraged to grow from here, can I just say kindly, I hope, if if you're not sure that you have mastered your spiritual phonics, you're probably not on your own. I think a, a great number of us haven't quite yet got our heads and our hearts around these six things yet. So if you're feeling challenged even just by these first three verses, then maybe that's God's gracious invitation to you today. This is your space for growth. Maybe you're really new to the Christian faith or you're just beginning to explore what this kind of Jesus stuff might be about. Maybe you've been kind of swimming along for a while in the swimming pool of Christianity and you're just now beginning to think I I probably need to get a better handle on what all of this is about. This would be a great place to start. Can I offer you just two really simple suggestions if that feels like you? Firstly, get yourself a Bible. (laughs) Find a gospel. It's one of the stories about Jesus. Um, It might help you to find a commentary that you could read alongside it. Just someone um, who spent some time digging into it can explain some of the kind of key concepts. This is a great one by um, a writer called Tom Wright. Luke for everyone. And then number two, find yourself a community that you can be a part of and ask your community your questions. So when we're following Jesus, the, the beginning is important but what really matters is continuing, keeping going, staying the course. And the writer here goes on from verses one to three, the the basics, the beginning, to give us like this vision for growth. You've started out well, now keep your head up, keep your heart strong, keep going. And like a lot of good teachers and parents do at this point when they see a great deal of potential in someone, They employ what in Greek terms I like to call the kick up the bum technique. So let's read together from uh, the message paraphrase. I'm going to read it to you the next four verses. Once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experience the sheer goodness of God's Word and the powers breaking in on us. If then they turn their backs on it, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, they can't start over as if nothing happened. That's impossible. Why? They've re-crucified Jesus. They've repudiated, rejected Him in public, parched ground that soaks up the rain and then produces an abundance of carrots and corn for its gardener gets God's well done. But if it produces weeds and thistles, it's more likely to get cussed out. Feels like that are burned, not harvested. Mic drop. There is like no mincing of words here. The writer has gone in hard. And to explain to you what's going on here, I want to tell you a little bit about a DIY project in our house that happened a few years ago. Basically, our shower unit broke completely and it needed replacing. And I don't want you to think that we have a delineation of male and female gender roles in this house, but for the purposes of this story, let me make absolutely clear that Tom was in charge of the shower replacement project. And there were basically, should we say, three phases (laughs) Of the shower project number one went a little like this step aside world the plumbing expertise of Tom Montgomery is here Uh, basically you know confidence and uh, some would say overconfidence but you can see from the rest of the story and we could also call this the honeymoon period number two went more like this I have absolutely no idea what I am doing. This was a horrendous idea. Uh, Nobody has showered in maybe 10 days and I am no closer to working out how the shower unit goes onto the bathroom wall. And then phase three went like this. Have I told you about Graham? Graham is my best friend. Graham is our plumber. (laughs) So following Jesus, is not dissimilar. We can have this kind of initial burst of enthusiasm, this excitement of the new, this confidence. And then number two, we begin to realise this is actually a bit hard. We face the daily grind of being faithful in a culture that says be anything but faithful. Be wild, be sceptical, be comfortable, be religious, so long as your religion doesn't impose anywhere beyond the four walls of your house. And the problem occurs when in the mix of following Jesus, in the process of attaching a new shower unit to the bathroom wall, that we become so opposed to the very notion of washing, that we don't wash. That's, That's what the writer is kind of trying to say in this slightly complex passage of scripture. Let me explain that a little more. Some believers who apparently started off quite well and seem very impressive in terms of their faith and practice are now fierce opponents of the Christian gospel. So it's not that they had you know, some doubts and questions. It's not that they're just having a tough time understanding something of who God is because of their circumstance. They're actually actively opposing the truth of the gospel. They're publicly heaping abuse on the very people whose community they had entered, the people who had blessed them in the name of Jesus. And the writer is saying, come on, guys, let me give you a kick up the bum here. You're not that kind of people. Sort yourselves out and get on with growing up in Christ. If you're the kind of people who in verse 4 have personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's word, the kind of people who have enthusiastically set out with DIY tools and a new shower unit, then finish the job. Make sure that what's going on inside for you is the real deal. Make this faith your own before it's too hard for you to sit on the fence and you fall off the wrong side. And Whilst we're here, let me level with you. These verses have caused probably more anxiety amongst believers than any other verses in the New Testament. Can I lose my salvation? Could I be one of those people? Let me be clear, having searched the scriptures and read about this, I think for what it's worth, if you love Jesus, if you're trying to follow him and then you're worried about this passage then I really don't think it actually applies to you but equally let's be honest every one of us probably knows someone who once followed Jesus with us and now doesn't and that's painful isn't it back then it wasn't so dissimilar except that maybe the stakes felt quite a lot higher the early church faced really big questions about what to do with folk who basically facing martyrdom, facing death for their belief, denied Christ and then later wanted to come back into the Christian community, the church. And we have to remember here that the writer is responding to a specific context and he's encouraging a very specific group of Christians who have converted from Judaism, stay faithful. Stay faithful keep going he's urging them not to abandon the things that made them distinctly christian and slip back into judaism because it's easier to do that would mean that they were essentially standing with the jewish attitude to jesus which was to say he's a madman he's a blasphemer he deserved everything that was coming to him he's a nobody and to say that is pretty much to re-crucify him over again do you get me so that's why it's impossible to in verse six from the NrV keep on leading them into repentance because they're publicly and aggressively resolute in rejecting him in rejecting Christ you'll know as well as me that unless someone wants to move towards Jesus it's impossible to get them to meet to to come into repentance to change your thinking to move towards him that's the work of God you and I can't do that we have to leave that with him but there are still some things to be serious about here there are warnings here no I don't think that we can lose our salvation I think Paul is really clear about that in Romans read Romans 8. But the rest of scripture does tell us that growth, growing up in Christ, has opposition. It is opposed. Jesus himself once told a story about seed that was scattered um, and initially seemed healthy. It grew up really fast. And then once it faced trouble of any kind, it immediately died. Many people in the New Testament said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, but fell away. So, three things that I think we need to remember. Number one, growth is God's work. We have to accept that this passage does make us uncomfortable. Are people who have rejected Jesus outside of God's grace? Everything in me wants to say no. Can anything separate us from the love of God that is in Christ? No. I want to say that there's still time and space and grace for them to come home and that they'll be met in their coming home by a father who hitches up his skirts and runs to embrace his prodigal children. We have to trust such people to God, remaining faithful in prayer and love. And for some of us, that's deeply painful because these people are children. Our siblings, our parents, our dear friends. One of my favourite theologians, Karl Barth, said this about this passage. It was not Paul who began the good work in Philippi, nor did the Philippians themselves do so by being converted. God began it. That strips them of all despondency about whether they will keep the faith. It is a question of God's good faith. And there is certainly no question about him. Secondly, we must remember that growth has fruit. You can have confidence that God has been at work in you when you can see the fruit of it. Other people around you could tell you. And that's basically what the passage here goes on to say. If you're a Harry Potter fan, picture Professor McGonagall taking a deep breath after the most serious telling off you've ever received, readjusting her hat, lowering her tone, and then saying, you do know I'm awfully fond of you. You know, (laughs) in the Greek here, the writer actually uses the term beloved for the first time to address their readers. Let me read you verses nine to 12. I'm sure that won't happen to you friends. I have better things in mind for you, salvation things. God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep at it till the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. So I don't think it matters whether you have this dramatic conversion story, you saw the light, <laughs> or whether your story is more like mine. Over time you've come to understand and experience more of Christ. What really matters is that that encounter with Jesus is getting worked out in your life. Love for others, says the Hebrew writer. That's the fruit of someone who's really following Jesus. And he, the writer says, I can see that in you. I can see that you really are, but just because you're doing so well so far, seeing all this fruit, doesn't mean that you can just sit down, feet up, <laughs> think that that's all the hard work over growth is intentional last one growth is intentional it's this funny balance of the two loving arms of God picture for a moment that you're held in this huge hug we've missed hugs haven't we I have (laughs) and with one arm God loves you he loves you because he loves you because he loves you there is nothing that you could do to earn more affection it's already yours it's a free gift in Christ grace is grace is grace is grace but with the same body the other arm reaches out and challenges you what you do really matters how you express the love that you have received really matters. How you pivot yourself towards growth really matters. Not just sitting back on your heels like you've already arrived. It's not all up to God. You are a player on the stage of God's grace and you are powerful. So go out there and do something amazing with what you've received. And Whilst you're at it, remember that God comes alongside you to help you. We don't grow on our own. We're watered by a gardener that's intent on us becoming the very best kind of fruit and vegetables soil that we could possibly be. Philippians 2 12 to 13 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God is at work in you. Stay the course. Keep going. When it gets hard, keep going. God is at work in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we don't wait to feel like it to keep going. We don't wait to be given a job title or an ideal space to keep going. We don't wait until we feel like we have all the investment and encouragement and opportunity that we need. We keep going. We don't wait for a pandemic to pass or a better season to come along. We keep going, we stay the course. We press on, head up, heart strong. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this this encouragement, (laughs) this challenge, thank you that we can trust that um, your challenge to us comes with such great kindness, that you come alongside us to help us and so many of us are in a season of just keeping going and I want to pray for us, for my brothers and sisters, Father, that you'd give them strength to face the challenges head on, heart strong because of you, because of your spirit at work within us. I pray even now that, um, that you, would, you would reach out and, and touch and bless my friends, my family, that they would know the tangible sense of your peace and your equipping to keep going, to persevere. That this week, as they walk out the reality <laughs> of following Jesus in their own context, in their communities, in their families, in their workplaces, in their schools, in their colleges, in their uni flats, that they would know you with them. I bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus, to know you with them, to know the two arms of your embrace, that you love them because you love them because you love them, that there's never anywhere that they could go this week as they walk with Christ where you are not. And equally, that they are your gift to the world around them. That as they keep going, um, that they would see just amazing things, incredible things, works that could only be of you and of your kingdom. Father, would you do it? Would you do that in us and through us? Would we be part of the transformation of this city? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.